What it do, what it do, what it do. This is the Wizards Junkies podcast on the Sports Pulse Network, and I am your host, Brooks. I'm going at it solo today, guys. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So first and foremost, man, um, regular season for the bubble is over. Regular season for the NBA is over. Thursday was a great basketball day, guys. Um, not only did the Wizards get a win, you know, being able to leave the bubble at one and seven, but you know, you had the Spurs. No, you had the Suns win first, and then you had the Grizzlies win. They were able to control their own destiny somewhat, and I mean, let's just talk about those Suns first and foremost. I mean, who would have thought that the Valley Boys, that Devin Booker, Cam Johnson campaign. DeAndre Ayton would go eight and zero in the bubble. I am on record saying it before, but I thought the Suns getting invited to the bubble was a worse decision than actually putting in the Wizards, because you know the West is deep and they're always deep. And my 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 train of thinking was. You know, this is just going to be like what the Wizards were going to be doing, which was just focus on development and just build on to the next year. You know, of course, they got a win over the Wizards, but then they were able to just continue building up that that track of winning, that culture of winning over there in Phoenix. Uh, Devin Booker, I mean, bubble MVP at least, if not bubble first team, I mean, 30 points a game, over 30 points a game, I should say. He had that amazing legendary game winner screaming out Kobe at the end. I mean, you can't think, you can't ask for much more from your superstar shooting guard there. DeAndre Eaton was able to show off his two-way ability. I mean, and, and he's someone who a lot of media have been harping on to continue to get that consistent defensive play going, and he was finally able to, and that's what you wanted to see from him. I mean, that was dang, dang near a, a, the rookie of the year, his rookie year. And now he's just showing off a lot of the tools, being able to be a great threat. I mean, you worry about just a silly mistake of not being able to take your COVID test early on. But, you know, he was able to pass, which was the most important thing. He brought about, like, one of the biggest AAU memories that you can have. When you have a kid, you know, just come in late, midway through the first quarter, you know, that might have been one of the funniest, most AAU moments of the bubble, like I just mentioned. But, you know, we also have to talk about the darling, another darling of the bubble, and that's Portland. Portland being able to go 6-2, and two, surged in the bubble, able to overtake Memphis for that eighth seed, and now they're in control of the playing game. All they have to do is win once on Saturday, and they're in the playoffs, and they get to play against the Lakers. Now, unfortunately, I don't have someone else to talk to about this, but the way I'm seeing it right now, the way they're the way they're so hot right now, the way Damian Lillard is playing, CJ McCollum being able to get over his fractured back injury, Joseph Nurkic playing so well as he is, Carmelo Anthony being that good fourth fourth option I guess you could say because he only had I believe he had nine points yesterday so 
you know, he's a good fourth option. I think he's really accepted his role, really been able to thrive in it somewhat. You know, he he was able to deliver a big dagger against – let me make sure I get this right before I even say anything else. I thought we had a breakthrough. Oops. Yeah, he was able to get that done against the Blazers of all franchises. So that was great to see. You know, you want to be able to see that from someone who's been scrutinized. I mean, he's done his job, and he did what he was brought in to do, which was just be another scoring option. Um, You know, congrats to Melo. I was never someone who thought he was washed up and ready to go, but I also thought, you know, the NBA is, is, is evolving past him and it's time, you know, maybe for him to consider going overseas and try to get like a proven thing going on over there. But he proved a lot of people wrong. Um, and like I said, I'm happy to see it. And with that being said, man, 22 years for the Spurs. They're not going to the playoffs this season. I mean, incredible streak, incredible culture over in San Antonio. Greg Popovich, Greg Popovich definitely brought some humor to it yesterday, giving a Donald Trump-level uh, press conference over there saying, us not making it to the playoffs? Oh, that's fake news. You know, everybody's talking about the Spurs going to the playoffs. This, that, and the third. <laughs> and, I mean... First of all, master level trolling from Greg Popovich. This is exactly what you want to see from the Spurs president who, along with Steve Kerr, has been very, very socially conscious over his, uh, over. I guess I would say like the last five years, you know, he's someone who can really, I don't want to say bring the reality back to the NBA, but he's someone who can be very blunt and... I guess can reel the media back, reel back his players back into the truth of the world and make sure that they understand what is going on. Um, I want to say San Antonio was is definitely the team with the most international players, you know, a team that's really well cultured. I mean, it's not just American culture that really takes over that team, you know? They they were ruled by, they were led by Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker, the French dude, someone from the islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, an Argentinian. Like, you can't get more global than that. And, you know, it sucks to say, sucks to see that that 22-year streak isn't going to go on. But, you know, they did, they were able to do their thing, and they played pretty well in the bubble. Um, DeMar DeRozan was great. Marcus Aldridge had his had his spot, um, you know. It's funny because my dad's one of the biggest Spurs fans in the world, and he he didn't seem to be too disappointed. I think he just like understood, you know, it's the bubble. Like this is just one of those things where you cannot control everything, where you do not see anything coming. I mean, kind of like the motto twenty twenty, right? Um, you know, it's great, but. I want to bring it back to the Blazers really quick for you guys. 
I don't know what how I don't know how you think, and feel free to DM me, email me, whatever it may be, on Instagram and Twitter, Brooks with three O's, two K's and three S's, two on Instagram. But I think if the Blazers can continue to play hot like they have been, I think the Lake I think they take the Lakers. I think it'll be a gentleman's sweep, but I think it'll be a really, really competitive five-game sweep, gentleman sweep. I think Blazers go out, they win game one. I think from there, the Lakers get the four straight, obviously, but I think it's going to be just like a really competitive first round. I, I see victories coming by by at least five points at the most, a couple one-position games late. You know, this is going to be a chance for Anthony Davis and LeBron James to prove that one of them can be a closer, like Damian Lillard did. Like Damian Lillard is, like Portland has, because that was one of my main questions: is who's going to be able to close out games? Um, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron have definitely struggled in this bubble. They haven't been able to get, really get their legs going. Um, and obviously, this is a super unique situation, like I said, but. You know, you're the number one seed and you see someone like the Phoenix Suns and a team like the Portland Trailblazers be able to play so hot as they have been, be able to gel together and be a cohesive unit. And then you have your best team in the West not being able to do it. It's it's a strange thing and, it, and it's valid to have for teams, for people, I should say, to have a little bit of pause there. Um, you know, and Damon Lillard is like a cult hero at this point, like goes from freaking those free throws and missing that three pointer against the Clippers getting trolled by Patrick Beverly and, and Marcus Morris on the sideline, having a little beef issue with Paul George and Pat and Pat Beverly. Um, even family was involved on that one. Like I think it was Paul George's girlfriend saying some spicy stuff in, in the comment section Damian Lillard's sister responding to it. Uh, you know, obviously it's not going to get much deeper than that. I mean, it's NBA beef. It's, it's, it doesn't, it never gets that deep. But, um, I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy. Uh, but just speaking as a media person, you do want to see LeBron be able to elevate these Lakers. Um, they're constantly the darling in the media. They're always going to be someone on the hot list and people that you want to talk about. But as of right now, it might be looking a little spooky for LeBron and the boys. Um, against someone like the Valley Boys against his sons, with Kevin, I mean Kevin Booker, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, I would definitely say they could, they could definitely sweep them. Cause I don't, I just don't see Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. I mean, obviously they don't have enough experience but I just see the talent of the Lakers being able to overtake them easier. Same thing with Memphis. They don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. anymore, but they do have Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks, John Morant, Rookie of the Year right there. But that team just doesn't have that second or third score really that you can rely upon to get you buckets when John Morant isn't being able to, when he can't be in the game because of you know him having his rotation and all that. 
So the Grizzlies definitely have some thinking to do. Um, and I want to move on to the biggest losers of the bubble. And, I mean, that's got to be the Pelicans. The Pelicans were given one of the easiest schedules, while Memphis was given one of the hardest ones. Memphis goes, what, two and six. Pelicans. Let me look them up. Because they were un- underwhelming. You know, you had Zion Williamson being on menace restrictions, being one of the most protected rookies, one of the most protected lottery picks that you will ever see in basketball. And I mean, the guy was playing 15, 14 minutes a game before his third game of the season, before he's really able to get go and get loose. He talked about being able to feel like himself again, being able to feel like a baller again. And for whatever reason, they just weren't able to flip that switch, that proverbial switch, and be able to play winning basketball. And it really hurts the Pelicans because they were supposed to, I mean, let's face it, the NBA wanted them to to get that playing game. They wanted them to be able to play in the playoffs and get those ratings up. And, you know, Pelicans just failed to do that. Um, I mean, and that's something that we have to discuss here, man, because, you know, that's who we wanted to see come up. And it just didn't happen. And I don't know, man. It's not a good look. Zion Williamson has a lot to prove next year in year two. I mean, you have J.J. Reddick's 14-year playoff streak be ended. Drew Holiday played really well in the bubble. Brandon Ingram continues to make his case for most improved player. Um, Man, that would have been fun to see them in the playoffs. Lakers can't be choosers, though, right? And biggest winners, definitely the Blazers, definitely the uh, the Suns. I could argue the Clippers because the Clippers look more impressive than the Lakers have. You've you're able to see that my turn, your turn type of thing going on with PG thirteen, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. Those two were able to lead their team to victory. You know, Paul George and the Clippers, they weren't supposed to beat the Mavericks, and they did. They weren't supposed to beat the Blazers, but they did. I mean, what else is there to say, man? I mean, the Clippers, you know, they're not the darling of the NBA. They're not the darling of the NBA or or LA, but they're going to bring you that blue-collar, hard-hat work mentality. They're going to work you to death, and they're going to beat you somehow, some way. Um, It stands to see how Montrez... Harold is going to be able to play in the bubble right now. I think he just came back. Today's Friday. I think he just came back Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, you know, and he's another sixth man of the year cop type of guy on that roster, along with Lou Williams. Still got Landry Shamet. Still got Pat Beverly. I mean, this is a team that is qualified super deep. They got the great. They got the great defensive. Two-way guys and and clutch guys and Kawhi Leonard and PG thirteen like I mentioned, um, you know, and it's, it's definitely conference finals are bust. 
Um, they have at least another year with this core group, but you know, this is the year to figure out, all right, is this possible? Can we take the Lakers to at least six, seven games? Cause that's going to be the bar set. And then everything is going to go for, for year two, for sure. Um, you know, I'm excited to see the playoffs, man. This bubble has been a great experiment. You know, shout outs to Adam Silver because once again, he's proven just how right he can get it with this bubble. Not having a positive test come in from COVID tests since August 5th, I believe. You know, you continue to see that reporting from Shams and Woj from the athletic and the NBA, respectively. Um, you know, when and the MLB and the NFL should have been taking notes. They had months to figure it all out. You know, their MLB is kind of going through their own issues right now with teams, teams uh, getting positive tests. You know, you just had an NBA or an NFL rookie, excuse me, get kicked off his team, get released from his team for trying to bring in a girl into their hotel in team gear. Lost his job, possibly lost his dream, just for, you know, one night with the girl. And it's not a good look at all. Um, I mean, I just can't believe that. Like, how do you, how do you do that? But anyway, let me know what you guys think about that. Again, Instagram and Twitter is Brooks, three O's, two K's. Three S's for Twitter, two S's for Instagram. DM me, follow me, all that good stuff. And before I go off, I'm going to talk about my all-bubble picks. First team, definitely going to go. Oh, wait. Before I even go with that, I want to talk about the Wizards. Wizards Junkies Podcast, I had to talk about the Wizards, right? Um, One and seven, obviously not the way you wanted to see it go. You know, like I mentioned earlier and through these podcasts, especially the ones with Ian, Ian Evans, I was thinking if the Wizards are going to win any games, it would have to come in the first two with against the Suns and the Nets. Suns, obviously criminally underrated from me and from a whole bunch of people. You know, I figured they could win that game. I figured with the roster turnover that the Nets were experiencing through this bubble that they could be the Nets, um, even with someone like Karis LeVert being such an overwhelming physical force in that game, they still kept it pretty close and competitive. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to win those games, but to be able to tie everything together in that game against the Celtics, being able to have a great physical force and a great leader with Thomas Bryant, being able to just lay it all on the floor, leave everything out on the court, you know, I was when I was watching the game, I had the announcers just like laughing and, and marveling at how hard Thomas Bryant was playing trying to get this win. Like dude was pumping his fist on and ones, encouraging his teammates. I mean, Scott Brooks and uh you know, training in market training camp and uh throughout training camp at, at the bubble, he was talking about Thomas Bryant being able to hone in his intensity and honing his emotions so that they won't rule over him during play. And he did a pretty good job of that. I mean, he had three double doubles, 
double-digit scoring except for one game, and that was against the Pelicans, I'm going to say, because he had nine points against them. And that was just like a bad blowout. No, no, I'm not I'm not, not against the Pelicans. I'm sorry, it was, it was against the Thunder when they just ran us over and Chris Paul especially was able to dictate everything. You know, that was arguably his quote-unquote worst game. But seven out of eight games, double-digit scoring, three-shirt double-doubles, was able to really prove himself on the defensive end. I mean, this is what you wanted to see from Thomas Bryant, man, and he's going to be able to show just like of a consistent player he can be. Um, it's a lot of bright things going for him. You know, you you never thought of him, or let me not say you never thought of him, but to see him be able to stretch out the floor, not only with mid-range shots, but with threes and taking them with confidence was great to see. That's what you want to see from your starting five, your starting center from and, and all that. Um, Got to figure out what's going, what was going on with Rui because he had one solid game and the rest of it was kind of like duds, you know, and he was dealing with – or he sat out the last game against the Celtics with the right – with 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 soreness, even Scott Brooks was joking. He maybe he should have just sat him all all along so he can get that final win. Um, he was saying that that joke might have flew over who he said. You never know, but hey, it is what it is, right? Um, yeah, and Rui's supposed to be one of our franchise guys next season with John Wall and Bradley Beal coming back, assuming they're both going to be healthy. Uh, it's going to be an interesting season, depending on, you know, of course, if it happens and when it happens. Um, hoping to do another bubble. I think I saw something that this bubble cost about uh, over $100 million for all the testing, for being able to stay at, at Disney hotels, all the food, the amenities that come with that, being able to have a whole, like, lounge room for the teams to hang out at all that good stuff. Um, of course, the NBA is a billion-dollar business. And being able to do this over 40 days, that's a lot of money. So we have to figure out just how much it would cost over an 82-game season or let's say even like a 72-game season like we did this season. Um, and with all 30 teams, it's going to be a lot more than that $100 million. Um but this is just life in 2020, you know, with this pandemic going on. It's, it's everybody's, even the billion-dollar businesses. I mean, no one should feel bad for for billion-dollar corporations. And I'm not trying to make this political, but, you know, everybody's going to be losing money. Everybody's business is going to be suffering a little bit. Sports notwithstanding. Um, you know, you even had Big Ten deciding to cancel football, you know, and that affects a state like Ohio, where Ohio State runs football and that, or not, you know, football, of course, college football, get a lot of money from that. So, you know, everybody's going to be suffering, man. And it's not just the athletes, it's going to be the smaller people with the, like the restaurants and the bars. Um, it's it's, it's going to be an interesting time where we're going to be at this time next year. But uh, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you guys for listening. 
thank you guys for uh, taking some time to listen to this podcast. We're going to try and get some players to come on here, do some one-on-ones, one-on-one interviews and whatnot. We're going to get Jake back on here. going to get Ian back on here. Uh, going to get Josh K back on here, of course. Going to continue to do great things with this podcast. This is Wizard Junkies Podcast from, on the Sports Pulse Network. Once again, thank you for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will see you soon. Bang!